Hi, and welcome to All Things Cozy with Matt and Jillian. We are a bi-weekly podcast about everything that is warm, soft, and comforting. This week, we're getting woo-woo with it <laughs> and doing a little spring cleaning for our spirit by aligning our chakras with color therapy, healing ourselves with crystals, and cleansing our minds with a sound bath. But before we heal ourselves with color crystals and sound, let's review this week's top cozy news stories. I'll turn over to Jillian first, who has a hot new cozy (laughs) trend. I do. And it comes straight from Better Homes and Gardens, a very hot publication (laughs) that published an article on March 10th about conversation coves. And my interest was piqued because I just like it sounds such a cozy phrase conversation coves and i think cove is a very cozy word in and of itself mm-hmm. and it's a delightful name to essentially describe a tucked away relaxing and comfortable outdoor spot a space to foster deeper connections with your loved ones and guests so if you can think of it as an outdoor space within an outdoor space. So if you're throwing a big party and you have a main central dining table, a conversation cove would be an area tucked away to the side. It's a little bit hidden, private, with a lot of comfy items where you can just take a minute from the noise and just the hubbub, if you will, (laughs) all the conversation and um, and somewhat time stress of hosting and whatnot. If you really want to connect one-on-one with with folks, and a home, better homes and gardens consulted an expert for this piece, and they suggested using items you already have to create privacy. So think of really tall plants you can put around your conversation cove to create a space that's out of view, and then throw some pillows and blankets. Maybe our favorite go-to fairy lights for a little extra jazz. Or if you have the cash, which I definitely do not, um, you can create a leveled stadium-style seating where you can really sink into your conversation (laughs) cove. Um, The possibilities are endless. I really recommend checking out the article because they have some really cozy photos of these conversation coves. Stadium-style seating. That sounds like (laughs) a, a lecture cove. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, it, I imagine it was similar to what they had in my high school. We called them wells, where you just, I guess they're, yeah, in, in the ground. Not in the ground. Not, I didn't go to school and, <laughs> like, I was on a hobbit. Jillian went to Jack and Jill Academy. <laughs> it's sunken space. And it did feel very cozy. I guess I'd be stadium because there's, you know, levels of the stairs. So if you really, you know, have the cash to dish out, you can create that in your backyard stadium level seating. I will not. <laughs> I don't even have a backyard, but... What do you think of this trend, Matt? I think this trend is a wonderful one. I, I, it doesn't seem new to me in the sense that like I've definitely have always appreciated and loved those spaces in backyards or in parks even. Like gazebos are mm-hmm. conversation coves a lot of the time. Yeah. Where you have a oftentimes covered space with a couple of really comfortable chairs. And it's sort of where you go to have a nice conversation with somebody out in your backyard. And I've always envied people who have the kind of space to have these, as you say, spaces within spaces. I think especially, and the article touches on this, and we'll link it in the show notes from Better Homes and Gardens, that during the pandemic, we really learned the value in meeting and talking outside. Mm-hmm. And we want to keep doing that, but we want to do that in uh, with even more comfort. And these spaces are really responding to this new 
motivation to actually gather with our friends and family out, outdoors, but be comfortable in doing so. Yeah. And I think a conversation cove could even be a space for yourself to have conversations with yourself. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always talking to myself. I don't know if I'd be talking outside. Just <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong just with talk- that. <laughs> <laughs> talking to herself out in a gazebo in the backyard. I know. I just love the word cove. I, I yeah. want a cove. Underwater cove. It almost cove. was the name of this podcast. Remember? Oh we my almost God, called the show right. The Cozy Cove. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love Cove, but I don't know if I... Cozy Cove sounds like we're um, a show on Nickelodeon Kids or something. (laughs) Like we're going to do voices or something. Yeah. And I think it also... There's something a little too nautical about it for the purposes of how we do our show. Yeah. You'd have to be wearing... I was going to say a beret, but that's... I was going to say an eye patch. I get get almost pirate vibes. All right. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) What's cozy for you this week? What's What's the hot news? We'll put this in the news to me category as this restaurant has been around for 15 years. But Enoteca Maria in Staten Island is a restaurant whose chefs are a rotating cast of grandmas from all over the world who cook meals that they've been serving their families for generations. The restaurant's owner, Joe Scaravella, opened the restaurant in honor of his nana and confesses he really had no business plan when he opened the restaurant, but organically created this uh, mecca for granny cooking. If you're looking for a specific grandma and a type of cuisine, you can go to their website, and I put a link to this in the show notes because it's too good, and check out the Nana calendar <laughs> to decide if you want to visit on Saturday with Nana Irene from Puerto Rico or Sunday with Nana Linda from Hong Kong, for example. And you can even sign up for cooking classes to learn from the Nanas themselves. What is cozier than grandma's cooking? I love the concept of this restaurant and also the community that they're building where you can learn from a grandma. Uh, and I'm thinking of all the, you know, people who maybe didn't get to have that experience. And the, the fact that it's giving people that experience is so touching to me. Yeah, and I, I was I was really touched by this whole situation going on here. I've never heard of anything like this before. It's sweet. It's adorable. And like you aptly pointed out, it gives folks that experience who don't have a, a living grandparent. But conversely, there are nanas who aren't actually nanas. Yeah, or, you know, their grandkids are, you know, far away or they're in another state. And so they get their fix. So it's a fix for both sides. You're right. Because I, when I was reading the article about this place, that was what they're talking about was that for a lot of these grandmothers, they lost their husbands, um, they may be disconnected from their families or or what have you. And this is their opportunity also to connect other people and share what they know. Yeah, I think it's, it's such a, a sweet experience. And I want to go next time I'm in New York. To be honest, I've never been to Staten Island. I've never had a real, I guess, no, I have been. No, I have been. But I never, I think, went as a... Let me just go for a dining experience. So this would be a first. Maybe next time I'm got to go make yeah. a reservation. That'd be so so much fun. Maybe we can go together. Maybe one day. With our yeah, no, I, we have to. Whenever yeah. I'm in New York, I'm making the trip. Yes, definitely. This is so adorable. It's an awesome find. All right. So from nanas to natural healing, we're going to talk about things you can do to spiritually spring clean. 
typically when we think about spring cleaning, we think about cleaning out our closet, that junk drawer with all sorts of random stuff that have accumulated over the year. But we want to shift our focus to our inner selves and our spiritual lives, if, you, if you'll <laughs> indulge us. <laughs> As both Jillian and I dove into three different areas that are all related, I think quite a lot actually, to each other. First was color therapy and chakras. The second was crystal healing. And the third were sound baths. So let's start with color. Yeah, and who knew that March was National Color Therapy Month? Right, yeah. So I, I guess that's meant to inspire us to use colors to change our world. The fact is that Jillian and I are no experts on color therapy. <laughs> so we took a class, an online class, on Allison. We, we touch on a, a couple of different like internet uh, self-paced courses in our learning today. And, and this one was on Allison. Um, A-L-I-S-O-N. And so we're going to share a little bit of what we learn and think about this as a way to spiritually reset and also just our thoughts in general on what we read about the content. So that's enough uh, context. Jillian, let's talk about the content. What did you learn about color therapy and what were your thoughts about the course? It was interesting how the course started from the very beginning. All these folks, to be quite honest, I've never heard of like Augustus Pleasanton, never heard of him. But just all the different ways that these folks from way back when were experimenting and engaging with, with color. So, for example, in early studies from Mr. Augustus Pleasanton, uh, he determined through his own research and you know thoughts and findings that the color blue was considered healing and a tool to increase fertility, which I found was interesting because blue light, uh, we often hear about it in the context of you have to get those blue light glasses. Yeah, ice strain. There's killing, ice is killing you slowly from your, your <laughs> compu computer, and I'm always freaking out. I'm like, oh my god, I'm chained to my computer all day. So it's, it's a little bit dry. I'm gonna be honest. I really don't. I wasn't too interested in that aspect. I just wanted to know about the now and how it's used in therapy today. The piece that I really enjoyed, and I'm curious if you found this really meaningful as well, but that each color in the course, it outlined the psycho-spiritual level of each color. And to be quite frank, I'm not sure what they really mean by that, but I guess it's just the the um, emotional interpretation of each color on a higher level of understanding. So for example, the color red, um, the level is, it gives us courage and strength and relates to stability and security. So I was really reflecting on these higher level meanings of the colors because for me, I have a very distinct relationship with colors for, with red. I never really wear it. And I would say it makes me uncomfortable, but I tend to have bad days when I wear it. And then I just have a, there's something about, there's a vibe. And I've had that connection with numbers too. Like I think the number eight, when I visualize it, I imagine it to be, I'm probably sounding really like wacky right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I imagine it to be like a, um, an older, mean, middle-aged woman with glasses. Okay. So I think. <laughs> there's a lot so to think, explore there. So I, th I think that I think it's actually a phenomenon where people like attribute feelings and personalities to numbers and maybe it extends to colors too, because the, I mean, I think it's not like, Oh, I'm so special. The red is like, you know, color that makes me like, it's not 
great because I guess it comes from like the Puritan probably backgrounds, Red's the devil kind of thing, which is like <laughs> we cut that well, out. I think I there was a natural human tendency to personify it. <laughs> inanimate objects yeah or also like red is obviously stop signs you know like there's obviously you know a deeper like surface level explanation why folks don't like red but i've never been really attracted to super bright colors and when i when i'm thinking about red like all of the stuff that it represents on that higher level of stability security courage and stuff are issues that i've kind of struggled with and i think if we're coming from a cozy perspective if you think about the colors that you're naturally not inclined to focus on, that could be an area where it's signaling to you, Hey, you need to dive deeper in the, into this. You need to explore it. How can you flip the negative? Because each color had a positive um, for it where I think uh, red had you know, animation and being stimulated and, you know, all those different positives that red brings that you can harness um, then conversely, if you look into what color you're attracted to, your strengths, like for me, I'm soothed by blue and blue rules communication. So um, from a cozy, how can I use this for betterment perspective, um, really leaning into those principles that blue represents. So that's why I tried to take away from it because all the history of it, I wasn't so interested in, but that's like a long spiel. <laughs> And like, they're probably like, okay, I'm not listening to the podcast anymore. She's like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I, think our are follow- I have followed us down <laughs> windier roads. So let's start with the cozy aspect of this. Okay. <laughs> First of all, this course is very dry and boring. I just want to put that. Yes. Out. It's oh, all dear. reading that I feel like they're copied and pasted from other places on the internet. And I would not recommend taking it. The link is in the show notes if you are curious, but I wouldn't recommend it even though it was dry, was the attempt to sort of ground this in advancements and understanding of color from Sir Isaac Newton's experiments with prisms and other studies like Robert Girard's studies on the effects of light on physical response, which his studies asserted that red increases blood pressure and blue reduces it. But I'm skeptical of stuff like that. So I kept Googling and I tried to find reliable scientific articles and I could not find any that really backed that up. Um, And it's kind of going to be the thing with today. This is, I think you could say in the realm of pseudoscience, don't take any of this as health advice, (laughs) please. (laughs) Um, But there are, there are areas that we were interested in exploring for just to discuss them because we thought it'd be interesting and we're curious ourselves. But I, I think going back to the coziness element of it, who doesn't love color? It's like it, it's a huge part of our lives. It's a huge part of nature. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to learn more about our relationship with color. And I, unfortunately, I don't feel like I got there through this course, but I do think that no. topic itself remains a cozy one. And I think there's more to explore there. Also, being more mindful of how we decorate our homes and what colors we have um, within our eye, eye line, is that the right phrase? But when we're working in our office, just the objects we have around us, what, how we're, you know, the walls, how we're, de- how we decorate things is really important and crucial to our well being too. Cause I don't think it's any coincidence that these spa like places, or you go to a really cozy hotel, are really typically using the same really soothing colors. Maybe, a lighter forest green or um, a a more subtle muted blue, just really subtle 
uh, colors that are more in line with earth tones. I don't think that that's a coincidence, um, but that is always used for, for soothing reasons. So being more observant about the colors around you, I think is a helpful tech takeaway. Not that I took it away from this course because there weren't a lot of takeaways in general. So it wasn't the best course I've ever um, experienced, but I do think that just reflecting more on color that I, I wouldn't have normally if I, we didn't do this topic. And, and the course does tie these colors to chakras, which are from early traditions of Hinduism and Buddhism. The color aspect of it really arose more in like the new age era of the seventies. If you think about them kind of just like from your, from your, the crown of your head down to um, your, the, the base of your body, I guess, like your, your groin area, let's say as that's your root vertical alignment of these elements are, you know, things you can focus on as you meditate. I think that's, a, the, I think the best way to think about a chakra, at least how I was learning about them. And it's such a deep concept because it's, it's, it's yeah. rooted in traditions and culture that I'm not fully familiar with. So I have to like, just say that up front. Um, so there's like, there's a lot to like unpack there around like their origins and then how they're used um, in popular kind of new age usages. And so that's a whole other topic for another day. But in terms of color and the, the way that we were um, told that there was an association, the course made this association of red with um, the earth, which is your root chakra. Blue is with ether and um, it's with your throat chakra. That's like the, the area that's about all about communication. Yellow is fire, your personality, and that's in your solar plexus. Green is, is associated with air, love, balance, and as your heart chakra. Violet was funnily enough, like it says none, <laughs> but that's like, that's not, not, there's no element associated with that. But I think because it is like spirituality writ large and so in self-awareness, so that's your crown and chakra. Enlightenment. In, yeah, exactly. And then orange is um, water and that's like creativity and that's your sacral chakra. And I, that's a very quick overview of like how they associate that. And you see that, like, we're going to keep coming back to that, like, in terms of the colors that are associated um, with chakras, at least in in Western kind of New Age uh, material, and the crystals that we'll get to in a moment um, that are also have those colors in them. Where I struggle with that, I will say, is color and how we interpret them is such a subjective thing. I think there are some things that maybe do have maybe, and I'm speculating here, more of a an actual physiological basis in terms of how I respond to the color. I'm thinking about red specifically being the color of blood. We mm. may not like seeing that. <laughs> it may, yeah. it, I could see that increasing our blood blood pressure a little because of what we're you know prepared to do biologically when we see blood. Right. It, it really asserted that if you like if you bathe in light of certain things, you can stimulate these different areas, these different, these different chakras of yourself. So, and I thought it was really funny too in the directions. It's like uh, when you're doing color therapy, which you can do by taking these colors and apply them with silks of that color and put them on your naked body and <laughs> solarize where it really lost me is solarized water, um, which Step is you far. put water in a glass container of that color and somehow the sun's energy from the glass is going to make the water that color. And 
that really lost me. It's a bridge <laughs> too far. Yeah, and uh, or the this was what I w- was more expecting was like just directing that color light directly on areas of your body, or even just visualizing the colors because apparently if you just think of the color, it will have the response. I think also an imp- important piece of it too is going back to understanding the the meaning of e- each color on that mm-hmm. h- higher level because you're supposed to also take the intention of the color and as you're imagining the the color washing over that part of your chakra to to say um what the intention of that color is so you know going back to you know yellow for for example um i want if there was what your personality you want to focus on i want to be confident or i want to be more outgoing or whatever it want, you know it is you're supposed to be setting that intention as you're also trying to visualize and harness that color if that's if i'm correct in that yeah i think i think that's the right application of how you might apply this as like a color therapist or something but i think we have to be mindful of the cultural connotations of mm-hmm. color so for example red right which has more negative connotations in i'll say specifically the United States, where red is the color of stop. It is the color of warning. It's the color of maybe too sexy, maybe too exciting. (laughs) Too Uh, sexy, too exciting. I'm thinking of like red Corvettes or something. Or like, or um, red is when you're, when teachers are grading papers and and those in the education field know this has actually been a very specific choice that teachers have started making in the last like couple decades, which is, not to use any more red markers because people are really forming a, a negative association with the color because they expect when they see red that something's wrong. And then I think though about like China and, every, and what I've learned about Chinese associations with color with the color red being uh, a lucky color, uh, mm-hmm. prosperity. It's actually for repelling evil, and and so there's a way more positive connotation with with red there. So I think. I don't know. I just sort of feel like it, it, these colors can mean lots of different things to different people and to then kind of claim that they have this like specific axis of this is what they mean. If you apply it, you're going to feel this. That's where I'm not quite convinced. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think, you know, we're reflecting on it. I mean, not only that just red just not doesn't look good on me, but um, I think just I, there's definitely those connotations of like as you pointed out in in the U.S. how red is portrayed and that does have to seep into your subconscious from a very early age. I mean, you're taught when you're little and there's a red light, don't walk or don't cross, you know. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> just really kind of con- confronting confronting that, and I I, I, I agree from that. Um, perspective that it doesn't really make sense in that way i think with most of this kind of um these topics you really just have to focus on what works for you so however you you know incorporate colors into your space and what makes you feel good and calm and focused or whatnot just go with that Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean not go to get too deep into the chakras because i've never really dabbled into that into this i haven't gone to the chakra, you know, healer, I know chakras can be quote unquote blocked. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> that's something they say that if you have a blurred vision or 
um, other ailments or some, you know, whatever it might be, you're struggling, you have a hormonal imbalance, like your chakra could be blocked. And I know they have tons of these healers in LA and I've never been to one. So maybe that's the next step. We have to try one out. I've always heard about chakras and seen them when I go to crystal stores. Yeah. I'm just going because I like the to look at the crystals. Of course. But like, you know, they're, they're all in the literature and everything. And so it was nice to actually get to learn a bit more about what they're meant to actually convey or represent. On that note, let, let's switch gears now and talk about crystal healing. So we also took another course, uh, which was on Udemy, on crystal healing. And the link to that will also be in our show notes. And this one is actually a certificated course. So we could be certified crystal healers. So watch out. <laughs> so the word crystal comes from the Greek crystallos, literally meaning coldness drawn together, a kind of ice, if you will. Crystals are both dark and transparent, and they've always fascinated people. But the question is, can they heal us? We learned from uh, our instructor named Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> and she claims that crystals can heal through their vibrational frequencies. And that if you find the right crystal for the right situation and that, and that frequency of the crystal, it can have a beneficial result. And I will say right now off the top, kind of like I said with the color therapy and as actually Melissa was very clear on herself and I appreciated this. Yes. Same. Scientifically, there are no peer reviewed studies that prove crystal healing is effective. It's no replacement for actual medicine from your doctor. That being said, it can improve your mindset and ability to emotionally process stress. Going back to chakras, we're associating these crystals now with the chakras. Like we mentioned, there are those seven chakras. You put the crystal on or near that chakra when you're doing the crystal therapy and seeing how they're like the energy that you're feeling. Basically, you set an intention. Like if let's say I am really thinking about my, lo my love life or my love chakra, I will take the crystal associated with that and I'll put it specifically on over my heart, right? Which is the area I would place the crystal. And if you can imagine a person lying down, if someone's experiencing crystal therapy, there are crystals all the way from like their thighs to the top of their head, <laughs> like in a line, right? Yeah. Uh, balancing on top of them. Basically, as you set the crystals, you like set an intention for that area of that you're focusing on. See how you're checking to check in on that area. You start from your root, go up to your crown, um, as you place the crystals, usually if, if you're getting it from someone else, they're doing that, but you could do it to yourself too. And then you reverse that process to finish the session. And after that session, you of course cleanse your crystals. You know, we got to be hygienic here. Uh, you can run it underwater. <laughs> you can dry it with a soft cloth or, you know, just place it in moonlight for a few hours. You can waft the smoke from sage <laughs> towards it. Uh, that will also cleanse it. Sound baths will also cleanse your crystals. And there's a, I, I loved all the sections in this course about how to care for crystals. That was my favorite part. Like, oh, same. <laughs> so I even much said in, I've even said in my, um, my notes that that was the most cozy parts of the, the whole crystal. Yes. Thing. Yeah. It was <laughs> at, at the points where she was just a crystal geek and just talking about like, oh, if your crystal is porous, like, don't put that in water. Like, here's what you want to do to actually clean your crystal. It's like. <laughs> Oh, like, like I love my rock nerd teacher. <laughs> well, I, I, I literally wrote in my notes that the crystals are like little Tamagotchis. You have to yes. care for them. <laughs> they're, they're cute. I'm glad that we picked up on the same cozy aspect. Yeah, our, it's like, it's like, it's the coziness of a pet rock. You know, it's like, it's just sort of, 
yeah. all the, the focus and love and attention on these on these objects that are very pretty and <laughs> and they do, do they do deserve a little bit of care and and I thought some of the the intention statements that she shared with us were um helpful but also kind of amusing like I love uh, <laughs> when she was like thank you for allowing this bladder infection to be healed and for my bladder to work perfectly for me or um <laughs> Also, like if you're, you know, and, and she's advising, you know, this is, this is supposed to be certificated. So she's really advising you as a practitioner. And she's like, you know, you're putting stones in people's bodies. Like if, when you start to go near a sensitive area, like the chest or uh, the groin area, say out loud very clearly, I am just placing two root chakra stones on both thighs now. <laughs> Do not sue me. I am not touching you inappropriately. Um, and so I really appreciated those practical elements of the course where it's like, Here's how you protect yourself um, legally. <laughs> I really enjoyed Melissa's course a lot. Just is more interactive than the one that we did on color therapy. And it was way more tangible and often contradictory. The color therapy courses, Matt, you have pointed out and hard to really understand the concepts. But Melissa made it really digestible and she's very light and bright too this is a side note i really enjoyed watching her mm -hmm. videos and i think one of the most important things that she pointed out that if crystals are working for a client and they're they're helping them even though you might not understand it um, or if your friend has crystals and they think that it really helped them manifest the job that they wanted whatever it might be I think Melissa's exact words were let it be mm -hmm. and just let them enjoy the damn crystals, which I really enjoy. She's not saying, you know, I think that was her way of saying that, okay, you know, I know that there's no peer reviewed science. I understand that people have different feelings on this, but it's really all about what makes you feel good. And mm -hmm. if you want to have a collection of crystals in your house and believe they're transforming your life for the better, have at it go wild. Yeah. And I, I also think in that statement, she was also saying kind of being very clear and directed toward the other rock nerds who are <laughs> trying to get into this practice was don't get pedantic about the fact that like, well, a, uh, a lapis lazuli really couldn't be addressing your root chakra because that's really for your third eye. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, yeah, if, exactly. if that's the crystal that they're gravitating towards, don't start lecturing them on what it's actually meant to be associated with. Yeah. And so I like that kind of freewheeling sort of like, look, it's all about like meditating and how we, how we're feeling. So, you know, let your client pick the, the crystals, like don't be pedantic about it and really make sure that your practices focused on the person that you're supposed to be helping, not on showing off what you know about crystals and chakras. The only part that I struggle with crystals is what Melissa kept on reiterating that everything has energy and vibrations instilled within it. And mm -hmm. for me, what if the crystal went through some hard times? <laughs> what if they were in? That's why I got to cleanse your crystal. But you don't trust if, that process. If, you think it could, could carry forward the energy? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I trust the part of cleansing the crystal, but it, I imagine crystals to be like uh, similar to a human where we can cleanse ourselves. We can go to therapy. We can do, we can take a long hot bath. We can do all these things, but you know, we, we can't really erase, you know, certain things. And what if the, the crystal was in a cave and something bad happened in an earthquake. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I 
there's just some, something weird I think about where because I'm I'm really a believer in the whole everything is energy. Even the st- <laughs> the staple on my desk. What if the the person who was packaging at the factory had a bad day? Like everything has. <laughs> That's a lot of energy for to radiate from a staple. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm thinking way too deeply about things, and that's probably my main problem. So I don't know if crystals would be good for me because I think that I could just get way into it and get too <laughs> hung up on it. <laughs> I'd be cleansing every five minutes. I, I love this journey that you took us on with, you know, from an earthquake to <laughs> your staple on your desk. Um, well, I think I think all crystals have feelings. We'll say, say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> and they have history. I don't personify the crystal insofar as I, I see it more as a meditation aid mm. in terms of something that can help you focus on your thoughts. That's kind of where it begins and ends for me. And I did try doing this on myself. I had my chakra crystals and I I had my I had a sound bath going. Actually, we'll talk about that next. I did the whole thing. I went from root, wow. to, root to crown, practically speaking. I just imagine how spooky I looked. Like if you like, if you were to like <laughs> knock on my door and kind of peek in and be like, "Who is that crazy man laying on the floor with crystals all over his body?" <laughs> you should have taken a selfie. I that would that would not have been meditative. I guess you're right. The whole antithesis of what we're discussing. Yeah, that amused me. Also, these are tumbled crystals, you know, which are good because they're not hurting or anything like that. But like, they're also slipping, and so it's like, at certain points, it was like my throat shot, my throat crystal. Kept, <laughs> Sliding down my throat. And so <laughs> it can't be good. things. What I actually really loved about doing it was when I first started, you know, doing any kind of meditation, what I really focused on was my breathing. And that really helped me focus in on my my present moment and my thoughts. And what the crystals really they're they're an aid for that. Like if actually if like you really struggle to focus on just your breathing, holding a crystal and thinking about like that part of your body really does help you focus um, your thoughts. And so I, I really like them as a tool um, for to help with focusing as you're meditating. And I also really liked, in terms of the chakra element of it, as I was going in and checking in on my root, which is my, you know, my physicality, how let's check in on like, how am I physically in terms of my health? And you're and you kind of like, have these moments of being present for all these different aspects. I, I think it's a schema that you're really building into the schema of like, I'm, I'm putting all my thoughts and organizing, organizing them around. I'm, I'm being mindful about my body. And now I'm moving up to my sacral chakra and I'm being really mindful about my creativity and, and so on and so forth. So I really liked the practice of really kind of taking those chunks, if you will, and thinking about them specifically as a meditative practice. And I thought there was a lot of value in that. I really liked that as a, a, a meditation I haven't done before and one that I thought was a really nice way to take the mess of my thoughts and feelings and focus them in and really check in on these different parts of myself. That was beautifully said. And I think that's what all this is all about from color therapy to chakras to crystals. It's just getting a stronger awareness of your surroundings and yourself and your needs and your desires, because outside of even just checking in with your body and how you're feeling, it's also thinking about where you want to go and what you want to manifest for your life. And I think more often than not, we're just going through the motions and not really taking that time to think about what we need and what we like to have in our life. And crystals are that representation in a physical form 
and they're pretty <laughs> just mm-hmm. in a cozy i just a cozy image is imagining the the crystals bathed in moonlight that's so pretty and cozy um so even if you don't buy into all of that yeah it could just be fun to as an aesthetic but also just as a moment as you aptly pointed out check in with not only your present but thinking about your your future and that's and that's really nice i also want to bring up that crystals are now really becoming popularized in skincare and in a, in a beauty perspective too um Glam, one of the sites that I manage is all about crystals. And even before I did this podcast, it'd be crystal article, crystal article. And one of them is uh, how to use them in your skincare routine. So one of the examples, subsidian, that can apparently help with tissue healing. So are you, are you rubbing it on your face? Like, how does that work? Yeah, rubbing it on your face. <laughs> That's pretty much, you said it right, right then. <laughs> You spelled it out. Just whether it's a you know a roller or you're actually using the the, the stone, obviously a smooth stone on, on your face is um, a p- part of the you know beauty routines, and um, that's really being popularized and and on all of that. But uh, you know, for me, I just appreciate crystals from the perspective of they look pretty and i like them and you know <laughs> matt i know we both share the, the whole rock gem collecting yeah no, it's, childhood, so <laughs> it tracks absolutely. yeah no it, it does track i mean it's i think it's it, there's just something kind of almost primal about it i really while i don't buy into the healing or skincare <laughs> aspect of it i mean i've got to be convinced i really did enjoy the crystal chakra meditation and i i think Almost nothing is cozier than mindfulness. And I really liked the way that helped me be mindful. Exactly. We needed to slow down and these exercises did it. Some courses weren't as beneficial as others, but that's okay. I think that we at least walked away with one helpful piece of information or maybe a few. So as we uh, close out on our spiritual spring cleaning, we'll take a little bath, a sound bath. Jillian brought this uh, opportunity to do like a sound bath session in person. It didn't work for our schedule, so we weren't able to do it in person. But we attempted to do a sound bath virtually. There are a lot of YouTube videos you can check out. This, These are sounds that are being made from bowls, right, Jillian? Like basically you're yes. ringing the bowls. But yeah, it's just that kind of like very soothing uh, sound and vibration I did use I did use that as a backdrop when I was doing that meditation. I really liked it. It really actually creates a... Even actually virtually, I was surprised. I did put the volume quite loud because I was like, I want this to drown out everything else. <laughs> and uh, some of the things he was doing made my, like it would like, it would only vibrate on my left ear. Then it would only vibrate my right ear. Like the actual, like my actual ear was ringing oh, uh, wow. one side to the next. Um, I didn't, I didn't love it. <laughs> Actually, it was kind of like, I was like, am I going deaf? <laughs> I turned it off at that point. Cause it was like too much, but I was surprised at that. Cause I, I didn't, I mean, I, I thought to get the sound, but I didn't expect to get the vibration through that. You know, it, it's supposed to be spiritually cleansing to even in, and as we mentioned, as Melissa shared, you can even cleanse your crystals with a sound bath. So it's a peaceful sound. It's cozy. Like go listen to a sound bath, uh, video. It's, it's a really relaxing thing to just kind of have on. I think it will help people fall asleep. I think it's a very cozy sound. Yeah, I had a little bit of a different experience. I'm. It's really interesting to know that you were so 
they were that sensitive to it that it really had that experience where I had to turn it off because I had the opposite where it was really hard for me to connect with the virtual sound bath. And I know that they're trending, so to speak, just because they're obviously more accessible when they're online and with COVID and whatnot, people were, you know, accessing it that, through that way and online, which makes a lot of sense. And I'm happy that people, folks are able to do that. But for me, I couldn't really pick up on the vibration aspect, which is really important for sound baths, at least in, in my experience, which doing it in person, I can really feel the the weight of it because mm-hmm. sound really has that, it can have a heavy, almost like a gravity blanket type of feeling. And some from in-person sound baths haven't been as effective for me, but some of them really felt very comforting and it put me to sleep similar to uh, some other meditations that I've that I've done, but um, just feeling sound is really important. And maybe it's because I also didn't have headphones that probably had a huge <laughs> piece of it. And looking back and I probably should have done it with headphones. I was just lying down in my living room and doing it with no headphones. And so that probably played a role in terms of how the sound was ricocheting off my walls and just not being able to access it in that personal way that you you did. But overall, I think that virtual or not, it's just another great way to meditate and to slow down and wind down and also drown out the noise of other things that you want to not hear, whether it's your, your neighbor's fighting or I don't know, your dishwasher, whatever it might be, just to focus on a sound is a great way to still the mind. I agree with you, though, that the there's no replacement for the in-person experience. So if you can, you know, go in person to one, I think it, it's worth it just because I think it's a it's a beautiful sound and it's a beautiful t- uh, opportunity to Again, going back to mindfulness, like just sort of sit with your thoughts and be in the present moment. And I think singing bowls and sound baths uh, help facilitate that. Even if I'm not focusing on it, to be honest, I I kind of like the sound even if I'm working. And and I know that's not necessarily the intention behind it, but I think it can help create a calming atmosphere, even if it's not necessarily the central element of what you're doing in that moment. I think it can still be a, a cozy and calming sound and effect. Well, from... One sound to another. We are wrapping up our spiritual spring cleaning. If you do try any of these, please let us know how it went for you on Facebook at All Things Cozy Podcast, our Facebook group, or on Instagram at All Things Cozy Podcast. But for right now, let's listen to some music. Julian, what sound is soothing you this week? My pick is Rooftops by Hatchie, released on March 8th via the deluxe version of her 2022 album, Giving the World Away. And Rooftop is one of the five new songs that debuted on the re-release. And I just like this song because it's it reminds me of um, a soundtrack to a really sweet, fun movie. And we really love our movie-esque singles here. So let's take a listen to Rooftops by Hatchie. Talk about meditative. I actually urge our listeners to, if you have a moment, click on the link on our show notes to this song to watch the music video. 
because not only is the music so entrancing, but also the video is all these like kind of pixelated, uh, like video, like VHSified skyline footage of cities, including Chicago. Yay. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. And it's just, it's, it's wonderful to both watch and listen to. Yeah. And it just, the, the vibes of it really got me into the spring summer mood and all the fun and lightness of it. It's just such a, I don't know, upbeat, smooth, creative song. And I never heard of Hatchie before. I'm going to be honest, mm. but I love it. I adore the song. This is a great find, Julian. Thank you. I'm adding this. I am adding this to my playlist. Well, speaking of artists we've never heard of before, this artist came up in my Spotify release radar, and they're new to me, but I really loved the song that I listened to. And the artist is Noso, and they're it's it's N O S O, and it's named after their Korean heritage, both North and South Korea, and the combination uh, therein. It's from their debut record, Stay Proud of Me, which came out last year. They were discovered via an NPR Tiny Desk Concert contest. So that was the contest, but they got to do their own very Tiny Desk set just uh, a few months ago, which is, I think, a really cool bookending of their you know debut and career, right? Like the getting discovered there and now having this debut record. And so here it is. Let's listen to Suburbia by Noso. Anyway, I really love how it captures both the feeling of, you know, suburbia, when I think about it, it, there's like an element of, you know, repression, and it can be kind of a closed-minded space sometimes, or, you know, especially when you're growing up in the suburbs, like a feeling like you want to bust out of it. But also the imagery created by the lyrics is also kind of wistful in, in a sense as well. So I really like that balance, and I think the sound is very chill. Well, yeah, no, I, I loved it. I think we both had wins today with mm-hmm. our music picks. I will be listening to this as well. I'll be adding to my pl- whatever playlist I have, my bouncing around on YouTube, <laughs> I like to do. But I love the, the light-sounding guitar, that high-pitched guitar sound mm-hmm. in, in the song. Like you had mentioned that you know the suburbs have certain connotations for everyone, and then typically it's that trapped kind of feeling or oppression or you know whatnot but I also think that it could be like when I was listening to the song I was imagining nighttime neighborhoods Mm -hmm. and those really crystallized memories are just kind of tucked away in little boxes and you step into and you kind of lose yourself for a moment like I always Mm -hmm. think if I could just go back yeah I wouldn't want to go back go back but if I could just go step in for a minute and it seems like this is kind of what this song is touching about that almost like a mysterious stillness yes yeah i think that's really beautifully put it's it's like a it's a thin line between safety and suffocating yes <laughs> yeah but i i love it i'm good for them for um getting in on that contest i'm glad that contest existed so that we could hear this music yay tiny desk and we will move on now to our candle review. I have the pleasure of sniffing on the candle today and it's not just a candle there's also crystals <laughs> involved. <laughs> the candle we're reviewing today is Rainbow Meditation. It's a meditation and intention candle 
by spirit and light, and it comes with chakra stones, meaning it comes with with these crystals that are specifically like meant to associate with these seven chakras, plus a heart-shaped rose quartz is a fun little bonus. That's adorable. <laughs> so eight stones in total. So you get this like actually kind of nice uh, satchel, little sack of um, these gems, a really beautiful insert explaining the chakra they're aligned to and, and the association. And the candle itself is uh, a rainbow color. So it's like purple on top and it's um, red on the bottom. Excuse me, violet. To be, to be specific. <laughs> you know, it's not typical that we review a candle that is kind of really meant as a gift set, right? Like a gift set candle. And I love that um, element of it. Like this is a, if you know, if you have someone in your life who meditates or if you kind of want a starter kit for any of the stuff that we talk to, because in a weird prescient way, by getting this candle, I had these stones that I could do the chakra meditation with. It just worked out that way. And I was really happy to have that combo and the scent, I should mention, we are reviewing a candle here, uh, is lavender and vanilla, which is, you know, as far as scents go, you know, one of the more generic kind of scents, but I think it really works as a meditation candle because it's not an intrusive scent. It does actually feel pretty, if you'll indulge me, purifying in the sense that it's like, it's present, it's there and it smells good, but it's not overbearing. It's very light and it just, it's calming. I, this is one wick up for me fully. I would recommend this as a gift or even as a gift to yourself uh, to get you started on uh, a little meditation kit. You really get your bang for your buck. You sent me a photo of the candle with the the crystals and it is truly lovely. And those are nice size crystals. Yeah, they're, they're, not, they're tumbled stones. Yeah. And the um, even the stones. candle had like little crystals on top of it embedded. And that's actually pretty common too when you get like intention candles. It'll have like crystals embedded and... You know, let's be real. I'm not going to like dig through the wax to get those out, um, those little well, shards out. If you, <laughs> Maybe if you for do Jillian. want to, yeah, you can put it, that hack, put it in the freezer. That's right. That's it's right. really fun to pop them out. I, I've done that for ones that have like bigger ones, but like these are very tiny, like very like slivers. Not worth um, the effort. Yeah. I think they're really just there for the aesthetics. In fact, I'm not even quite sure that they're like not just kind of like little wax accents on top, but it, it, it looked really pretty. It was $25, but it's already on sale on Amazon for 20 <laughs> So I, I missed the window no. for the better deal. Maybe you can get it. So yeah, I think like for its price point, what it's offering and, and like the kind of total package of it, it came, comes in like a really nice box. It has the stones. It has the guide. It has the candle itself. I really, I really liked this as a, as a package. Yeah. Not to mention that you, you can talk about the scents. Yeah. Even, even they are, you know, typical mm -hmm. standard lavender is supposed to be a very calming sense that that all tracks check it out the the link to it is in our show notes from chakras moving on to shout outs thank you so much to andrea d for sending us lovely candles from anthropology they are spring themed so we're so excited to review them for our next episode the name of the candle is feel just to give you a little preview Thank you for being such a great friend to us and a friend of the show. Yes. Thank you so much for the, the amazing gift. That's so kind and looking forward to discussing that candle on our next episode. On the topic of listener support. So our Patreon has different tiers. The top tier are our pillar level patrons who contribute $10 a month. And for that, you get a mug. You get the bonus episodes for our book club. You get a thank you uh, letter and you get stickers, but that access also gets an exclusive mug. And you're like, Matt, why are you talking about this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
this is the part where I turn off the podcast because you're doing the, the Patreon pitch. This is not a pitch. Anyone who might be considering joining at the $10 Patreon level, if you do like the current mug design, which is the autumnal or cat mascot and with a bunch of leaves around it, it has all things cozy, they have our show on the back. If, that, if you're vibing with that, if you want that, you're like, I was thinking about it, I kind of wanted that mug. The way Patreon, and we have no control over this, the way they do the merch is like, for stuff at that level, you have to contribute for three months for that to like, I think of it like a vending machine for to like, for it to finally get you the thing. <laughs> and so, wait, and we don't yeah. have control over it. And so in terms of our recording schedule and our release schedule, that's coming up. So we're going to stop in June and, and we don't continue billing because we're, we, we're very honest on the show. If we're not making shows, we're not taking anyone's money. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we, stop Patreon collection in July and August. So that's not going to count then. And then once our plan is, is that when we come back next season, that the mug design will change. Or we, we might even go with a different gift altogether. We're not sure. But at the very least, that mug design will change. Then the mug, the design that's up now is going to be only exclusive for this current season. So, so again, I'll, 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 I'll stop rambling. But <laughs> the point is, if you were interested in that, like I would say join at that level now so that you're guaranteed to get that mug. Otherwise, it may not, you may end up getting the next mug, if that makes sense. Yeah. And the mugs are just really a representation of coziness in, in it, it's its sweetest form. We, we spent a lot of time designing that. So in some ways... <laughs> We had, we had a few bumps, but we really put our heart and souls into that mug. Jillian's partner designed the mascot and the, the logo on the back. And we spent countless hours getting the, the, the file size right. <laughs> and even then, I will say, like, it's, it's, I wish it were a little sharper on the actual mug itself. Um, but we're living and we're learning. And even in its own crudity, <laughs> it's cozy. So, um yes. We're just so grateful for the support of our listeners, and it's one way we're looking at a way we can give back um, and acknowledge the support for listeners who are really very generous with not just their ears in terms of listening, but also with supporting our show so we can experiment with things like meditation and intention candles. So it's always appreciated and valued. Um, even just taking the time to listen to our show, that's like this is the biggest compliment ever. So thank you. Everyone who's listening to this, if you haven't turned off the podcast by now, because I probably would have if I were you, (laughs) (laughs) know that you are very, very appreciated and that we're grateful for you. Yes. Always, always so grateful. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of folks sign up for Patreon this season. I continue to send out the stickers and magnets. Those are also um, benefits of joining the Patreon. And I love writing little notes and then seeing, you know, getting those messages back saying how much they love the stickers and magnets and just having um, that, that connection through, through the meals, like having a little pen pal. So um, once just echoing what Matt said, I really appreciate that support. And if you're interested in contributing, you can always go to our um, Patreon to check out those tiers at patreon.com slash all things cozy. Well, we hope that you are calm and collected and maybe science doesn't back this up, but maybe even healed. (laughs) The, Uh, back in your ears in a couple more weeks of the brand new episode until next time stay Stay cozy. cozy